Hello and welcome to Stand and Deliver, a JoJo podcast. This week, we discuss episodes 19 through 22, Death 13 Part 1, through Judgment Part 2. to a very special episode of Stand and Deliver, a JoJo podcast. I'm Larry Davis, your host. Uh, with me is Mr. George Brundle. Mm-hmm. That's hello. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Off to a great start. Come on, show some respect. <laughs> you know what we're here for today. I just, look, I've, I've never been uh, very good in these sorts of situations you know it's uh death is a very difficult thing to deal with i've been blessed to not have to deal with it much in my life but um today is dark day yeah so you've mentioned to me that somebody you know who's listened to this show gave you some important feedback and said that we don't spend enough time talking about jojo's bizarre adventure the reason for the season some would say yeah, I so, think they're expecting us to like talk a lot about this anime, which I don't know why they would develop that notion. But. Well, we're here today to rectify that. Uh, this week will be dedicated to the memory of the great Robbie Mueller, uh, one of the best cinematographers of all time. He passed away this past week. Uh, we lost him. Uh, also dead this week was uh, Cloud Landsman, the director of Showa, the seminal Holocaust documentary, another one of my favorites. But this week is dedicated to Robbie Mueller. Um, he was the cinematographer for all of Jim Jarmusch's good movies. Uh, he thankfully bailed the fuck out of there before the limits of control and broken flowers and whatever else Jarmusch has been up to. Uh, but he was a cinematographer for Dead Man and Down by Law and Ghost Dog and Mystery Train and, you know, all the good ones. Several yeah. of Vim Vender's movies, especially the earlier ones, um, Paris, Texas, one of our favorites, which we've talked about for far too long on the show already in a previous episode. Yeah, um, uh, that movie really sticks with you, though. Yeah, one of the best. Again, probably yeah. in my top three of all time. Um, but that, The American Friend, uh, The Road Trilogy, um, I don't think he did Wings of Desire, but most other Vim Vendors movies he was also the cinematographer for. So, this week, in tribute to him, uh, under most of this episode, we'll be playing, uh, obviously we can't show clips from the movies, because this is you a... could use your imagination. Though. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. You, I think the best way to enjoy this particular episode of Stand and Deliver, a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure podcast, would be to look up uh, some clips, perhaps some trailers uh, from these movies to go along with our discussion and obviously the. Yeah, yeah. So 
I'll be playing certain selections from the film's score underneath this in order to, you know, just uh, give you that vibe, you know, let, let you know what he was all about. So, on to the subject at hand. Uh, there's this dumbass anime about eating poop. Um, well, you know, the, the, the first bad thing that happened to me was all the deaths. And then Death 13 happened, and it got even worse. I mean, part of a theme. Variations on a theme, as Blood, Sweat, and Tears would say. Kakyoin wakes up in an amusement park to the sounds of a baby crying, and already this is my worst nightmare come to life. Mm-hmm. See, I, I warned you that this was going to be rough for you. Yeah, so to to fill every... If you're just joining us on this podcast, uh, as we have made a point of, uh, I think at least a couple times in the past, I have sort of a, a fear that I'm, I'm disturbed by babies and baby-related things. And so, fortunately, two of these episodes are about babies this week. Sure. My friend did this to me. He knew that these were episodes, and he was like, Hey, do you want to watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? And I said yes. Well, I also wasn't sure if you would make it this far in, so... I'm not I sure I'm making you... it this far past. I don't think there's any... Uh, there is a baby thing in part four, but it's not like... Uh, it's that not like baby... creepy baby. That baby is invisible? I'm, I'm already aware of that thing. Oh, okay. that, that got spoiled. That got spoiled for me. If I can, if if there is a a absence of babies, but a baby is still technically there, I can go with that. Okay. Its name, by the way, is Octung Baby. So. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, but uh, not only is there a, a baby crying in this dream, not only is there a cacoin in this dream, there's a dog in this dream. Yes. I'm sure that won't go poorly for the dog. So here's... Alright, just before we record this, I looked at the uh, JoJo wiki page for this, and it is not in the uh, manga anime differences section, but I had remembered this part... For one thing, Death 13 is my favorite enemy stand of part 3. Uh, it does have, rad. like, an... Yeah, it, it does actually have an extremely interesting gimmick. Too. Yeah, uh, and... <laughs> Uh, as I would often say, uh, Araki saw a movie and then decided to write this part, and in this case he saw uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. But in the anime, uh, Kakuin sees a dog in his dream. In the comic, it's a giant rat. So they actually changed oh. it to a dog just so the anime could have even more dog death. <laughs> so I was gonna say, like, is that somehow does that make this more palatable? That that dog gets fucked up, and we revisit that dog getting fucked up like no less than three times. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I had to watch this set of episodes on Crunchyroll because you warned me that it would not be safe work. So I got a lot of them just covering everything in black so I didn't get to see this dog get like really good and fucked up mm -hmm. but like you know this dog gets fucked up oh yeah because uh tarot card ends up flying into the uh, he's like on a ferris wheel and it is the tarot card for death and then a scythe comes out of it 
and just skewers this dog through the snout. Yeah, right through the head. Yeah. Uh, so, Catcoin is uh, woken up by Ponref, and he's just like, you're shaking in your bed like the exorcist. You must be having a bad dream. Uh, but Kakuin can't remember any of it. He just knows that he had a bad dream. Yes. It's, um, it's kind of similar to, I know you haven't seen it, but the silence in Doctor Who uh, have yeah, kind of a similar I, thing where, like, as soon as you look away from them, you don't remember you ever saw them. And... Hey, Larry, let's talk about Doctor Who for 15 minutes. No, thanks. <laughs> um, but it's I think the that's... one thing we won't get off track on. But that's a cool idea for an enemy. It's spooky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Kakuin also has realized that his hand has been cut because the, the scythe grazed his hand in the dream, but he can't, like, figure out why or how it happened. And uh, they they leave. They're, they're all getting together to go on the next leg of their journey, and Kakuin spots a kid crying about his dead dog, so we get another shot of this dog with his face, like, split open. Uh-huh. Just... <laughs> and Kakuin's like, oh, that's weirdly familiar. <laughs> I feel like I have seen this cleaved open dog before, but I can't quite yeah. place where. I wrote here, like, I don't know, Kakuin, like, you just saw a dead dog three episodes back, so who could who could say, really? Yeah. It's strangely common occurrence with these guys. Uh. Uh, so they're they're all getting together to get onto the uh, Cessna, but the guy who uh, small twin engine plane, by the way, uh, oh. the guy who <laughs> the guy who owns the plane is like, I can't sell this to you after all. Uh, this lady has a sick baby, and we need to use the plane to fly the baby to a doctor. And Joseph's like, I ain't got time for no dead or dying babies. I need this plane. <laughs> Yeah, Joseph, I mean, he kind of cares, but also doesn't really. Yeah. I sympathize. Yeah. I sort of care, but I don't. Uh, but the, the lady with the baby has a plan, which is, like, basically, okay, well, if you guys need this plane, like, we could give the baby to you, and then along the way you can stop at a hospital and get rid of this baby. And then go do whatever the hell it is you want to do in, like, Cairo or whatever. Just attach a parachute to him and dump him out of the plane when you're <laughs> over the helipad of the hospital. Don't even attach the parachute, just kick it out. <laughs> Joseph would probably do that and then, like, lean out the door and go, Bye-bye, you baby! Or something. That sounds like Didn't his style. Didn't have his ticket, he says, as he no points ticket. out the window of the plane. Uh, but yeah, so they, they agree, and then, uh, as they have now taken off, the lady reveals, uh, she doesn't know who the baby belongs to. Nah. She just found it by a well, and, like, its voice made her dizzy, and she felt oddly compelled to get the baby onto the plane. Always a good sign. Yeah, everyone's like, yeah, that's weird, but okay. Also, before they take off, uh, the baby smiles, and it has fangs. <laughs> and Kakuin... <laughs> so you gotta... He, you gotta know it's a bad baby. Yeah, Kakuin's the only one that notices. Oh, also, Araki saw It's Alive, too. I forgot <laughs> to mention. He saw both of those movies in one night and was like, I have a great idea. Everyone, I just saw a double feature. Let me tell you all about it. 
We're making a comic today. Maybe he uh, kind of took a nap between them and didn't realize they were two different movies. And so he just thought, oh, well, there's this movie about a guy who kills people asleep, and then there's this weird baby with fangs. That would be a pretty sick movie. Yeah. But, uh, so on the plane, Paul and Ref and Kakuane are now taking a nap, and uh, they both end up in the amusement park. Speaking uh, of sick, though, you didn't mention... Yes? Joseph, in his aviator glasses with headset, looks rad. That is true. Uh, but look, I can't help but feel that anytime Joseph gets into a plane, a crash <laughs> is imminent. And Jotaro, I think, would agree with me. Yep. He is not thrilled about this. No. Uh, I wouldn't be either. Uh, look, I already am. So here's the other problem I have. I am also deathly afraid of planes. Uh, it is the reason why I cannot watch airplane. Um, <laughs> you just... <laughs> I'm... You just see Leslie Nielsen and you get cold sweats. <laughs> yeah. Start shivering. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's too spooky. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'm fine watching stuff involving airplanes. It's like not that kind of fear, but like you cannot get me onto an airplane. Babies, on the other hand, I just can't even stand the side of. So babies are a more palpable fear than like dying in a plane crash. Is there anything you're not afraid of? Uh, love. Well, we know you're not afraid of no ghost. That's, yes, that is also true. I'm not afraid of invisible men in, in my bed either. Yeah. I I welcome all invisible, invisible men in my bed. Nobody's afraid of Slimer. He's just lovable. <laughs> no, he's delightful. Uh... But they, they both end up in the uh, the amusement park and uh, Kakuin starts remembering his previous dream and he's like, oh, this is bad. There's a dead dog over there for the third time. <laughs> and Polnareff is also in this dream and he's like, what? It's a dream. It's cool. Check it out. I'm going to lick <laughs> this ice cream. Great. Yeah, he's got ice cream and popcorn now and he even says like, oh God, what what, what was it? It's like, if you know it's a dream, oh, then this... you can just no, he... do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. It's he like says, Westworld. Uh, yeah, he he says, this is both convenient and lucky, as he starts <laughs> licking this ice cream cone. Sure. Uh, and then, like, to really hammer home to this dense, wonderful boy, Ponorev, that this is a bad time dream, a megaphone pops out of the gaping face wound on this dog and starts telling Ponorev that he's a dumb fucker. So this was kind of disappointing to me because I really liked the sound of the voice when it was coming from megaphone, like before the megaphone actually comes out, and so I thought that was how Death 13 was going to sound, and I liked it a lot. Yeah. Like, the weird tinniness of it kind of matched because, like, you know, he's got a clown mask on and it's kind of mechanical, you find out later. But then, eh, it was just because it was a megaphone. Yeah, the the whole design, since you bring it up at Death 13, is, is really cool looking because, yeah, he's got kind of like this uh, porcelain doll clown slash robot thing mm -hmm. mixed with the Grim Reaper. Yeah, he, he looks, he would not look out of place in a Persona game. Sure, yeah. Death's you, chains start rattling, and then... Oh. Yeah. You gotta escape through the subway in the cat bus. 
so the the megaphone comes out, and then I want to say like an eyeball comes out too. Sure, he loves eyeballs. Oh, oh God, yeah. Uh, also, Death Thirteen part keeps of saying breakfast. he keeps saying "lolly ho, lolly ho," which is a good that's what it is catchphrase. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you hear the Grim Reaper's chains rattle, then you hear Lolly Ho, and you know you're in for some real shit. Oh, yeah. But I couldn't remember what his catchphrase was. He's just uh, going to cast yeah. a Megalodyne. What? What's that one? Yeah, it's me- it's it's Megalodyne. Okay. Oh, I couldn't remember. It's been a while. Yeah, I did not fight him in Persona 5. I There's was, actually a, a... I kind of stumbled onto the easy way to kill him. Which is just on certain days, uh, he just gets plagued and will just die in like three turns. <laughs> oh, that's just caught sad because it's raining out. Yeah, he caught up to me and it was like, oh cool, he got diseased, now he's going to die soon. Death is looking depressed and he doesn't seem like he's doing so well. Yep. Oh yeah, Death that, that's what shows it was. up and is like, oh guys, I don't feel so good. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was depression. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I I think that is a status ailment in that game is you get sad and then kill yourself. Yeah, absolutely. There was a whole Persona game about sort of almost kind of killing yourself. So, wasn't that most of them? More so three than any of the other ones, but yeah, also kind of. Hmm. Persona 4 has such, like, a, a thick candy coating on it, though. Like, there's definitely some dark shit that happens in it, but, like, compared to 3 and even 5, like... 4 seems the most like a Saturday morning cartoon. Okay. You're gonna really like part 4 of the show, because it is 100% just what they stole everything in part uh, in Persona 4 from. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong, I still re- really, really love Persona 4, but but yeah, like, 3 and 5 are way more grim, I guess. Yeah, I, I still like 3 the most. But... Yeah, uh, three's, the... 3's plot, but not its gameplay at all. Certainly not its gameplay. Well, it's way better in um, Portable, when you can just control everybody. Oh, sure. I actually, uh, since you brought this up to me, I was considering playing Ocarina of Time, and you told me the 3DS version is the superior version of that game. 20 bucks mm-hmm. at uh, Walmart right yep. now, apparently. Oh, it always is. It's part of their uh, Nintendo Selects or whatever. Anyway, uh, other video games that I like. Uh, I bought Mario Tennis Aces. Um... <laughs> oh, no, wait. This, oh, this is the JoJo's podcast. Never mind. Um... Where were we? Uh, Kakuin, Death, uh, he's the clown guy. Uh, Polnareff does a thing. Um, <laughs> he does a thing. <laughs> yeah, you know that Polnareff, he's always doing things. Yeah. Yeah, oh, they try to use their, uh, personas, but, like, they can't summon <laughs> their personas inside of the dream. So. Yeah. They're stands. That's the thing. Yeah. What did I say? You said personas. Well, shit. <laughs> yeah, they, they can't use their stands inside of the dream, uh, which we kind of get an explanation later on uh, 
why that is the case, but like it it sort of makes sense, I guess, that they wouldn't be able to like summon them in a dream because they don't have experience doing that. We live and like they've also inside not... a dream. <laughs> Sweet I mean, God, they've baby also damn, not no. established that they could even use them in dreams. So yeah. But yeah, um, Polnareff wakes up because Joseph needs somebody to change the baby's diaper, and uh, I did not need to see a foot-long baby shit at any point <laughs> in my life, whether it was uh, real life or cartoon. Yeah. I didn't like seeing Goku's baby nutsack at all when I watched Dragon Ball. I didn't like it when I read Dragon Ball didn't need to see more anime baby nut sacks <laughs> and then jojo's bizarre adventure happened and oh Ugh. boy you're uh okay what mm. what there's gonna be more just so you know <sighs> i can think of two occasions uh, please visit our website, animebabynutsackdatabase.org. No, uh, it do is not. a wikier than anyone can edit. Oh, boy. <laughs> is this like Anime Baths Wiki? <laughs> is that a thing? Yes, of course it is. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be? Someone at work today was. We were like dunking on. um. What's that guy's name? Who does the, he does the million dollar extreme Neil Breen? thing? Oh, I don't know. Uh, but like his YouTube channel got banned. I don't know how we got onto it, but we joked that like he probably has like a Pepe body pillow. And then I was like, "Wait, is that a thing?" And immediately, as soon as I asked that, I was like, "Of course, it's a fucking thing." Yeah, sure. There's no way that's not a thing. So yeah, sure. Anime bath wikia probably a thing too. Why would I even ask if that's a thing? I don't think it's Wikia. I think it's actually its own special oh. website. They've got Very their own special. backend for it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Nice, nice. Well, you want to with something like that. You don't want it to be all willy-nilly. Anybody can edit it. You don't want to rely on a Amazon CDN or anything, because they could shut that down well, at any moment. Yeah, yeah. You... Slave to somebody else's whims, man. Anyway, about the baby poop. Yeah, let's get back to the baby shit and the baby nut sex. That's what this podcast and this anime are about. Catcoin uh, starts uh, like freaking out and flailing because uh, he's still having a bad dream, and he like kicks Joseph, and Joseph unsurprisingly loses control of the Cessna, and it goes into a nosedive. Yep. Plane uh, number four, in case you weren't keeping count. Yes. There, also, during this, uh, when Polnareff is tasked to change the baby's diaper, he does so, and then is just, like, turning the baby completely upside down and, like, shaking it around. <laughs> Nobody really seems to care about it, but they kind of freak out later when um, Kakuin, like, holds him up in what seems to be a much less threatening way than the way Polnareff is handling him now, but... Yeah. Yeah, saying that he's going to strangle the baby when he's just got, like, a grip on its... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. 
So in in the dream, that, th- that this is, is that the is part... a thing. What? Sorry, I need to get into this for a second. That is the thing that drives me nuts is whenever a character grabs somebody by the collar in a a cartoon or a show or a comic or anything, and the character who's being grabbed starts acting like they are physically being choked. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, like so they it's... start like gagging and coughing and not speaking clearly, and it makes zero sense to me. Mm-hmm. So in the dream. Uh, Death 13 has Kakuine like bound to the side of the Ferris wheel and then just starts yeah, like oozing eyeballs. Yeah, 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 that too. Um, yeah. and he just starts oozing eyeballs out of his like mask eye holes into Kakuine's mouth. And, uh, at this point, I think this is when Kakuine like gets the great idea of, uh, Carving his arm And Death 13 thinks it's just to wake him up But yeah. in, in actuality He is carving yeah. Baby Stando Into his arm There's also a uh, I had written this down I'm not sure if it's in So I was watching a lot of uh, of news videos Because I need to catch up on that stuff And I'm not quite clear if I wrote this down Because it was a quote That John, Donald Trump said recently Or if it was in the anime but it says, I'm a genius, a genius. I made a crap in my diapers, but I know a lot more than you guys. I think that's something Manish Boy says. Ah, uh, okay. I think. Right. Not 100%. Oh, okay. I got very confused. It's been a long night. Yeah. I mean, I had to watch two episodes with a nightmare, baby. Nothing makes sense to me anymore. Yeah, my mind is a jumble of nightmares. I mean, it's understandable. Like here, um, I think you might have been thinking of this recent Trump quote, where he said, "I have broken more Elton John records. He seems to have a lot of records, and I, by the way, I don't have a musical instrument. I don't have a guitar or an organ. No organ. Elton has an organ, and lots of other people helping. No, we've broken a lot of records. We've broken virtually every record." Because, you know, look, I only need the space. They need much more room. For basketball, for hockey, and all of the sports, they need a lot of room. We don't need it. We have people in that space. So we break all of these records. Really, we do it without, like, the musical instruments. This is the only musical. The mouth. And hopefully the brain attached to the mouth. Right? (laughs) The brain, more important than the mouth, is the brain. The brain is much more important. That's probably what you were thinking of. I'm a genius, I'm a genius, I made a crap in my diapers, but I know a lot more than you guys, he says while pointing to news people. I'm glad I had that turn this tab ready, ready to go. Oh my god, I actually watched that whole clip earlier tonight because I thought, like, surely the context of this, like, (laughs) the preamble before this quote, helps it make a little bit more sense, and it does not. Put him in a home. Somebody. He needs help. If if my grandma said that to me, I would pull my dad aside and say, like, look, we need to have a serious talk about grandma. <laughs> she is not well. She needs to be in a place with round-the-clock care. No sharp corners. <laughs> That's right, yes. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Back to JoJo, please. <laughs> Donald Trump after saying that looks at his wrist and it just says baby stuff. 
the other arm says fake news, and he's just like, oh. Fake news. <laughs> yeah, so that's the thing that I really love about this bit, is there's a lot of Kakyoin just muttering over and over again. Baby, standu. Yeah. Baby, yeah. standu. Baby, standu. Uh, but Death 13 is in his little basket, and, uh... Sorry, I think, like, a, a fly just hit me in the damn head. Anyway, uh... <laughs> a fly hit you just... with so much force. <laughs> something hit me in the head, I don't know what the fuck it was. Anyway, uh... It is starting to realize that maybe Kakyoin like, got some knowledge out of Dream and is a little bit concerned that he's going to get outed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will find out that is maybe not a concern that is going to harbor for much longer in the next episode. Uh, but that is it for Death 13 Part 1, so... Anime differences. Wait, you kind of... skipped some stuff here. I don't think, like, that much more happens after that, though. Well, this is the part where he realizes what the baby's up to and he, like, grabs it and then everyone's like, Oh, what are you doing? You're gonna choke that baby. We kind of skipped ahead to that part later, but... Yeah, like, I... That's so... where it happens is at the end of this one. Is it? I thought it was in the next episode. Nope, it's in this one, because it ends with uh, them carrying okay. the baby away and it looking at him like, Hey... Mm, oh, that's right. Okay. I think I attached that note to the next episode by accident. So. Okay. So, anime differences. In the manga, upon seeing a mannish boy smile, Kakuin attempts to touch him to get a better look, only for the baby to burst out crying. Kakuin apologizes and says he didn't mean it. This is cut in the anime. Uh, real quick, by the way, I did not realize that Dead 13 stand user is named a mannish boy, so when you brought that up, I thought that was a term you were using for Donald Trump. <laughs> so the Crunchyroll version calls him, like, the Japanese phonetic pronunciation of it, like, Manishu Boyu or something like that. Like, just spelled uh, out, which is weird. I was busy shoveling a bad Subway sandwich into my mouth during this, so during those, like, little interstitial bits, I don't, I was not really paying attention to what well, You gotta watch those to find out the stand user names, because in a lot of yeah, cases, yeah, it yeah. seems those, that's Look, the only place they show up. The less amount of time that my eyeballs were on this episode, the better. Uh, okay. Because it was just an abject nightmare for me. Manish Boy is a really good name, though. Oh, it is. No, it's a terrific name. Uh, that, that's all this list for the anime differences, so I'm going to have to edit in the uh, dog-rat thing, I guess. Yeah, you know, the thing that makes me worry about that is if they couldn't even get that thing right, who knows how many other anime differences we're actually missing out on? Yeah, I don't know. How are we to know that these words that follow every episode are actually director pseudos? Well, they have to be, because who else could create such nonsense? I mean, you. Well, I think you have read enough of Suda's words that you might be able to, like, I just kind of have to take out your word for it because <laughs> you might be, like, pulling a joke on me one of these days with these <laughs> Suda says things. Our animator spent a lot of time getting the length of the poop just right. Ha 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 ha. I genuinely <laughs> thought you were starting. No. <laughs> this okay. is fucked. 
Here, here's what Suda says. This is real. This is what's written here, at least. Okay, good. Thank you for specifying for me. Here's a new episode for Toshiyuki Kato. It is in fact a pair of episodes of which he only directs the first one. Nonetheless, he managed to build a good basis for how things should go, set up norms and composition effects, and took care of many details. Thus, thanks to his help, everything was ready for the second episode, which went without a hitch. Manish Boy is a baby, but remains as fearsome as Jay Guile or Dan. Dan. Oh, Steely Dan. Okay. And with an opponent of this level, the story only becomes all the more engaging. Ikue Utani marvelously played Manish Boy by giving him a cute but mean voice. The portraying of the dream world had given us some problems. We had to be in tune on a sufficiently cohesive overall design. Thus, the difference between reality and the dream is really marked. Marked? Whatever. We instantly know which side we are on. This episode is a purgatory for Kakuin. Not only does he tenaciously struggle alone, but his companions find him suspicious. But overall, he puts up a good performance and progresses slowly toward the end. Alright. Yeah. Actually, I, I do really like these two episodes as just a vehicle for Kakuin. We We don't get much of him actually doing interesting, fun, or useful stuff, and he actually has like a pretty decent chance to shine over these two episodes. Yeah, the thing is, Kakuin's kind of supposed to be the wild card of the group, and he doesn't really get much yeah. to do. Yeah. Like, this kind of comes out of nowhere, like the whole thing with them distrusting him, even though that's sort of been the thing from the beginning, but then they kind of forgot about it, that he's supposed to be the crazy one. Yeah, uh, like and the whole, uh, yellow temperance. I, mean, I saw thing. what he did. I saw what he did to that cherry, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> the crimes he perpetrated on that fruit. Yeah, there's like a couple points though in this episode where it almost seems like Ponoref is going to steal the show again, but it it's firmly Kakuin's thing. Yep. And for a while, uh, at least for a brief moment, it looks like Jotaro might actually do something, but nope. No, not at all. So, uh, Four episodes, death 13, by the way. Part Jotaro two. does nothing uh, in any of everyone these. Everyone is like super worried about Kakuin at the start of this one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And Death thinks that Kakuin has maybe figured him out um, while Joseph is like making baby food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, Which he... Polnareff wants to try, and he thinks baby food is delicious. And this is another thing that makes me wretch. Well, I mean, he says it's like what? It's like bananas and bread and eggs or something? Yes, so th this is the thing that is like messed up in my mind, is those individual things, or if you were just describe that and not attach the word baby food to it, will probably sound totally appetizing to me. But the part where you say it is baby food, food for babies, food that babies eat, then I start to get sick in the mouth, and then when an adult eats it, I start feeling puke come up my throat. What do you think of RoboCop? That is so for all the body horror in RoboCop. That is the one thing that genuinely scratches the wrong nerve. So the part where Alex J. Murphy gets blown to pieces, or the part where he shoots the guy's dick off. Or stabs okay. the guy through the eye with the spike. Pull with it. The other guy gets irradiated and splattered on a windshield. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but eating well, baby food. That, yeah, disgusting. Okay. Downright terrifying. Worse than any body horror I've ever seen. Like, ah. Uh. You're like a sitcom <laughs> character. Like, you're... You're the B-plot in an episode of Seinfeld. George has to watch someone's baby but slowly discovers he has a fear of babies? No, like you would be someone that Elaine meets and she's freaked out by how much he hates babies. They'd be like, I, I don't know, actually, I think he hates babies! Hates I actually babies! Think Elaine would probably be cool with that. Mm, maybe. There was the whole vasectomy episode where she wanted the guy she was with to get a vasectomy. Well, that's because she the wasn't sponge whole, uh, dingo, wait, my baby thing, and, like, not wanting to go meet the baby. Like, Elaine hates babies. Yeah, okay. Sure. Yeah. Oh, this is great. Now I want to be in the Seinfeld. Mm. This B-plot's got me hooking up with Elaine. I'm all in. <laughs> Finally! I now would just... George has a chance to shine! I would just want to be Lloyd Braun, though. Just selling computers see, way... and chewing gum. See, here's how the actual B-plot would go. I'm the perfect match for Elaine because I have such a disgust for babies that I don't ever want to have a baby. But my name is George, and Elaine, being friends with George Costanza, cannot make peace with the fact that when she says she's dating someone named George, everyone assumes it's George Costanza. This is a very good plot. Yeah, so that I gotta go. So she's got to make it seem like she really wants to have a baby. For a second, that I thought way you were I saying... the relationship. I thought you were saying, I gotta go like you are leaving right now to go pitch this script to somebody for a Seinfeld revival. You got Larry David's phone number, right? Oh yeah, I mean, my name's similar okay. to him. We all know each other. Yeah, no, hook me up after this podcast. I got a, I got a million dollar idea here. Okay. A scorpion starts sneaking up <laughs> yeah. on Manish Boy. Uh, and so he's being a baby. He's just like, shit, like a scorpion is dangerous and I'm an infant and just I can't deal with that. Oh, wait, I baby. got a bobby pin. Yeah. That's not a bobby pin. I'm, I'm sorry. It's a, yeah, what a, it's a safety pin. Safety. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but he stabs, he stabs the scorpion to death with the safety pin. And Kakuin sees this all go down, so the baby says, Oh, shit! <laughs> Kakuin says, He killed that scorpion with his tiny hands. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, so Kakuin tries to convince everyone that this is a bad baby, but yeah. he, like, can't find the scorpion as proof of this. And so everyone tells, like, Kakuin to go take a seat, and Joseph starts trying to feed the baby, but the baby, like, is, like, turning his head and stuff like he doesn't want to eat the food because the scorpion is totally being hidden inside of his mouth. Uh-huh. And <laughs> Kekuin is just like, no, I know that this is a bad baby. Everyone, please, look at my arm. I carved a baby stand into <laughs> it. You have to believe me. Uh, you know, I heard baby stand this... is going to be at the Canyon Club this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> can you get tickets oh no they're sold out standing room only shit uh, we get the slowest oh my 
God. <laughs> From Joseph. Yeah, there's a lot of really good Joseph English in this, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is. A lot more of him going, oh, shit! Yep. Like, two uh, oh my gods are right next to each other, too. It's first like, oh my god! And then followed is the, oh my god. Yeah. This is easily, though, the best oh my god in the series so far. Yeah. Uh, so Kagan, uh, he realizes that this isn't getting him anywhere, so he just tries to attack the baby with the stand, uh, but Chariot knocks him out. Yeah, it's a great idea, too. Just like, oh, they don't believe me, so I know <laughs> I will use my green ghost man to try to kill this baby. Everyone will believe me then. Look, I got baby stand written on my arm. Why would I do that? I mean, if, also, if he kills it, like, what? They wouldn't be able to see his stand or anything. They're not going to be able to do an autopsy and be like, oh, it turns out he was right. He did have a stand. Yeah. Uh, as it turns out, at the end of these episodes, he still can't tell them the truth. Yeah. So, uh, but like, uh, Kakuin is knocked out, and everybody else is going to bed. So now it is time for uh, uh, Manish Gambino. What was his name again? <laughs> Manish Boy. Manish Boy. It's time for Manish Boy and Death 13 to get up to some dirt. Uh, yeah. So everyone wakes up inside of the dream in their sleeping bags. And uh, Paul Ruff, like, America. Don't catch me sleeping, no. Don't catch me sleeping, no. As sung by Joseph Joestar. Yeah. Uh, Ref, uh like Kakuin before him, uh, he remembers everything that happened in the previous dream now, and uh, Joseph is pulling Ref and going like, ah, I'm going to relax, it's a dream. And Ref's like, no, this is serious. Uh, jo Baby, Joseph? stand <laughs> Joseph has my favorite line here where he says, why are we all sleep in sleeping bags in amusement park like a bunch of idiots? <laughs> he's not wrong. No, he's not. I'm surprised he didn't follow it up with, like, Dan Jotaro, why are you wearing that school uniform? <laughs> yeah. Seriously, Jotaro, this is a problem for me. You also, uh, I, I'm I... sure you were a real fan of how while they're all asleep and in dream world you get all these shots of manish boy uh eating the baby food and like licking the spoon and you got a bit of him like barfing up the scorpion oh yeah like there's a good shot of like the scorpion on his tongue and him going like Bleh. yep oh, jesus fucking christ man i'm probably i'm like actually probably gonna have dreams about this which is like the most fucked up part because, like, I've been thinking about it all day, and so it's just going to be, like, at the forefront of my subconscious. <sighs> Jesus. Good. Uh, anyway, I have noted here, on a much more positive note, Paul Ref got big hair. <laughs> yeah, he does. It just turns into kid and play. And this is to go beyond Paul Ref. <laughs> But this hair is both a blessing and a curse as it, like, <laughs> whips out and attaches to poles. Get Polnareff. Uh, haha. Oh, yeah. Birdplay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, causing him some pain. Um, I also have written right after this, you never want to get self-aurid. 
No. Well, you're skipping that all of them are um, incapacitated. Yes, I... Like, Jotaro's chain wraps around his neck and, like, uh, Joseph's fake hand freaks out. Uh, his fake hand gets huge. Yeah. It, like, blows up like a balloon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Death, and Death 13 shows up, and, and so uh, Jotaro summons... Uh, Platinum, and everyone's surprised to find out that he actually can, but Star Platinum just turns around and auras Jotaro, and it's revealed that it's just an illusion of Death 13. And then we get the best part in either of these episodes, where he pulls out a frying pan and just keeps hitting himself in the face, and Star Platinum's face just keeps turning into these weird cartoons. And making... He's just doing a bit from the mask. Yeah, kind of. It looks like something from Bobo 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 really oh sure the one face he makes kind of looks a lot like don patch i accidentally watched that whole show and we started this thing so i'm intimately familiar with it oh okay uh who's your favorite character yeah he uh well bobo bobo oh okay that makes sense sure i'm a simple man with a simple brain so i only like main characters (laughs) That's why you love Jotaro so much. Yeah, he's the best. I mean, why wouldn't you? He does so much. Yeah, very integral to this series. Yeah, it's like the first time his stand is showing up in like 16 episodes, it just beats itself in the fucking face with a frying pan. It's not even the real stand. Yeah, it's great. Jotaro's always the best when he shows up. So it's like, yeah, Jotaro, he's going to do something cool every episode. He's not a fucking failure at all. <laughs> He's totally not boring and generic. <laughs> yeah, you know, I like to put on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure when I want to take a nap or go to bed. Uh, it's a real good nighttime show. Until a baby shows up. Oh, no, that's a bad nighttime show. I want to see the baby. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, Death 13 explains that they can only take things into the dream with them that they had on hand when they fell asleep. So their sleeping bags, their clothing, even Joseph's artificial hand, that would all get taken in. But since their stands are not out when they're falling asleep, they cannot take their Uh-huh. So then Hierophant just shows up and starts strangling Death 13 because Kakyoin, ahead of the curb on this one, has already like figured it out. Because uh, when he was getting knocked out, his stand was already out. I'm actually not so sure he had it figured out. I think that was kind of an accident. Well, so he says like he had his stand buried underground when he was asleep. And that's where it got a little confusing for me. Because if you just had it as, well, it was convenient he got knocked out while Hierophant was out, that would make sense to get it into the dream. But this makes it sound as if though he woke up at some point, consciously drew Hierophant out and buried it, and then fell asleep again, consciously. No, I, I think he buries it during that like slow motion part when he gets knocked out, where he's like talking uh, to Palmer and he's like, no, don't fall asleep. I think it's maybe in that moment he realizes what he can do and like hides it. I don't think his actual uh, intention with attacking the baby was to get knocked out. Okay, that, yeah, no, he was still totally trying to kill that baby. Yeah. Yeah, that, okay, that makes sense. I, I probably just misunderstood it. Uh, also, his hair is white now. 
Everybody's a different color in the dream. Well, <laughs> I don't see hair color. If only we could. If only we could like all dream, man. <laughs> That's right. We need to reunite the stands with their users. They just oh, have little on. stands My and cages. Is... My peyote is rubbing off. But yeah, <laughs> they uh, all have. At this point, like all the colors shift, and like Death Thirteen is yellow, and Jotaro's coat is like purple, and everything. It's just I don't know. Yeah, stylistic. The sky is the the. I really like the way that they rendered the sky and the clouds in this because the clouds are like multi-colored. Like each cloud has like four, five different colors in it, and the sky is black. Uh huh. That's already. This whole bit is like really, really cool looking. Like the colors that they chose for this. I'm way, way into. If you like purple and green, uh, you're really gonna like part four. Yeah, I've I've seen some pictures, I've seen some clips of it, so... I really yeah. do love the way part four looks, because it's kind of all like this. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, where were we? He was strangling uh, Death 13, and... Uh, the clouds in the sky, they like they merge into a giant hand that takes Death's scythe and uses it to chop Hierophant in half. Uh, but Death is fine because it was like it was like half a body the whole time underneath the cloak. Mm -hmm. uh, but then Kakuin is also fine because Hierophant was in a string-like form and it wasn't actually chopped in half, except he totally was because it shows like the bottom <laughs> half of his body drop off. Yeah, that was weird. But the string parts of him are just like going into Death Thirteen's ears. Yeah, just wiggling around in there, getting up to some business. Yeah, so he can like control him because like that was a, a power of hero fence that we don't ever get to see. Besides that, like first episode that he was in, where he can go inside someone and actually control them. Uh huh. Well, I don't think he's ever used it on a stand, has he? No, but I think that, like, if a stand is a reflection of the person using it, it would make sense that that would still work. Sure. Uh, so he demands um, that his arm get healed. Yeah. And then uh, and then everyone wakes up. It's the next morning. And Kakyoin's behaving normally, and, like, the wound on his arm is gone. So everyone just is like, hey, we know you tried to kill a baby last night, but we're cool with you now. You also... He keeps skipping around things. The reason that he uh, is able to defeat Death 13 when controlling him is he threatens to make him cut his own head off. Oh, That's yeah, kind yeah. of important to note. Well, you know, I want to get out of these baby episodes <laughs> as quickly as I can, so I'm maybe trying to keep things moving along. Yeah, you're being really haphazard with these. I spend most of these two episodes uh, shrieking nonstop. So I might be missing some details. Okay. So he's uh, acting normal, and he's just like, I'm going to go... <sighs> he's like, I'm going to go feed the baby. Um, which everyone's cool with. And, and change like, its diaper. Reason... Yeah, to change... Yeah, yeah. so he pulls the diaper down, and we get we get more baby sex. So, like, you know, that's a thing. And then there's another big turd in there, and Kakuin uh, is like, hey, you know, I got it all figured out. You piece of shit, baby. You disgusting little infant. You and what does he do? 
he's like, well, you know, you're sick, but I'm an even sicker bitch. And he just digs the spoon that he has into the baby's shit, and he uh, pulls up a big dollop of poo-poo, and he drops it into the baby's food, and he mashes it up, which I really did not need to see, but they show it anyway. Mixes it up, and he's like, I'm not going to kill a baby, but I'll make a baby get sick from its own shit. I'm going to chew your poop, you disgusting little monster. Open wide for the airplane. Coming in for a landing. Well, thankfully, this did not go the way I thought it would, because... It went exactly the way that I thought it would! What it the did? fuck way did you think it was going to go? I thought Polnareff was going to eat it. Because oh, he was okay, so yes. into the baby food earlier, and there's yeah. a part where he comes up and he's like, Hey, what's going on? While Joseph's I... trying to feed him. I actually did think that this was going to go one of three ways. The the first was that the baby was going to eat it because a stand user, an enemy stand user, always gets its comeuppance. So I thought that was the most likely, actually. Second was that, like, Polnareff would go like, Yum, yum, I'm a big man, baby. Feed me baby food, goo goo gaga, and stick it in his mouth. And then the third way I saw it going down was going to be, like... A thing I've seen happen in other media, which again disgusts me, is when somebody can't get the baby to eat the food and they're like, oh, look, it's good, yum, and sticks it into their own mouth. So I thought there was a possibility that Joseph was going to eat it. Oh, okay. But the the thing that disturbed me to my core was I knew that in like the minute this episode had left, somebody was going to have baby shit in their mouth. <laughs> But out of all of those possibilities, like, the baby, isn't that, like, the best-case scenario? There's no... No, there's no best-case... The best-case scenario is is nobody eats the shit. Would you like... All right. Imagine, in future episodes, every time you saw Polnareff or Joseph, you would have to think to yourself, he ate baby shit. You wouldn't want that. I don't want... I don't want any of this, though. That's the thing. I don't want to see the... The, the baby ate it, the baby is gone. You're not going to see the baby anymore. Thank you, that actually makes me feel better. <laughs> okay, good. That's it. Baby is gone. The oh, gone, baby, baby isn't going to hurt you anymore. Yeah, gone. Bye bye, gone. baby. Jesus. Uh, and uh, then, then after it has the uh, poop food in his mouth, uh, Kakuin looks at the camera and says, "Badumtis." Fuck you, Kakuin. Fuck why, you. Why are all these ending with "Badumtis" now? <laughs> the next episode does it too, I or know. like the next two parts. Yeah, it's. I don't know. Rocky made that joke once, and he saw it landed, and he was like, "Oh, my joke landed," and just kept using it. Okay, well, let's see. Uh, <laughs> manga anime, anime differences. I mean, manga differences. The baby doesn't eat the shit. Ha <laughs> ha, fuck you. There's only one difference here. Manish boy smoking was removed in the anime. <laughs> what? No, you made the monkey smoke for crap. That's the thing that would have made me like the baby is if it smoked. Just lights up a stogie. Yes! That would have been awesome! You like Baby Herman in Roger yeah. Rabbit? Yes! Baby's doing adult things I'm fine with! Do you like Baby Herman? 
Because he's really an adult who just looks actually, like a baby. Actually, actually, no. Because, okay. like, falling within the spectrum, too, is adults dressing up as or behaving like oh, babies. Sure, sure. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> that King of the Hill episode really fucks me up, let me tell you. Yeah. Well, they, um... Uh, by, by the way, I got three notes here that I wanted to just read sequentially. Uh, this baby gets force-fed its own shit. I seriously almost threw up, which is true. <laughs> And I hate this episode, and I hate my friend. But see, aren't you glad you didn't watch at work? I gave you warning. I gave you warning both don't watch these episodes at work. Two, it contains baby. Yeah, because, like, I probably would have got an IM during this with my boss going like, Hey, I remoted in on your computer. Can you answer a few questions for me? <laughs> I need you to explain yourself, George Brundle. Oh, boy. <sighs> okay. Speaking of people who need to explain themselves, Director Suda. Hey, Suda's just adapting this, you know. Araki's the one who's got some splaining to do. Yeah, yeah, Suda's just following orders. <laughs> Send Suda to the Hague. Uh, here's the next part of the fight against Death 13. In the dream world, Polnareff's haircut is abused again. It seems it will be customary. Ha 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 ha. At the same time, Joseph's artificial hand and Jotaro's chain get the same treatment. To each their iconic items. Death 13 is still terrifying with its nightmarish Grim Reaper looks. For the fight resolution scene, we decide to make the sky black. And even then, the theme park is bathed in a particular light with no real sunlight. That's why we chose this green sky with a lot of hesitation. Oh, Alright. Mm, I, I guess he means that. before it turns black how it was green. I, for some reason, my brain, I was thinking like artificial sun, and then I had like a Truman Show scenario playing out where like Suda lives in the sun and just like watches his anime lovingly from afar. I imagine Suda as being like the director in the Matrix, just with a bunch Ooh. of TV screens. Yeah, Jotaro just steps in there mm -hmm. and no. doesn't do anything useful at all. I was going to say, let's be real, it would be Polnareff who goes in there. Yes, yeah. Uh, this episode also features a white-haired Kakuin. You couldn't have missed that. Yuko Sato, the color coordinator, really wanted to include this effect. And I must say that this color scheme makes a good contrast with the black sky of the theme park. Then comes the scene where Kakuin finally punishes Manish Boy. I am deeply sorry for those who are eating at this moment. <laughs> I was well, still finishing up my sandwich, so apology accepted, Suda. Suda was talking directly to you with that one. Yeah, makes me feel a little bit better about the hardships I had to endure today. Okay. I intentionally put this off to the last day, by the way, because I knew what was coming. I knew that these were two baby episodes and that I was not, like, I wasn't prepared for it. I was never going to be prepared for it. So the only option was to wait until right before we had to do this. Yeah. So next up, <sighs> Judgment, part one. In yes. fact, we should mention the end of the last episode had them uh, getting on a boat and going to an island. It was completely pointless because it was like the last 20 seconds and then the first 20 seconds of this episode is a previously on where it has the exact same thing. 
Yeah, so there's definitely some time padding in this episode, and it is all front-loaded there. Um, and by the way, because we had mentioned, like, let's be real, would be Ponoref meeting with the director. This is a couple Ponoref episodes for everybody. I know we don't get many of them. <laughs> sure. It's only like two-thirds to... of part three. Yeah, look, to be absolutely clear, when I bring that up all snarky, uh, I'm way into pawn refs, so this is a plus for me, actually. Yeah, but think about how you're into pawn ref because he gets so much focus. Yeah, so it, it is still something that is problematic in the series is that this is Jotaro's part, and yet Jotaro doesn't do anything. Yeah. It, it is this weird thing that I think when pawn ref showed up and he had this actual backstory of, like, a man raped and murdered my sister and I am trying to find him. A more interesting character developed out of that more interesting uh, motivator than what we got out of Jotaro. So I think that for Rocky, this might have been sort of like an unexpected but natural evolution, where like Polnareff sort of just was more fertile ground for him to build off of. Sure. I mean, you know, it's also not just us. I mean the guy of whoever was in charge of making characters for King of Fighters, they made a uh, Polnareff with Benimaru. They didn't make a Jotaro. I don't think anyone's made a Jotaro. I don't know that Araki has made a Jotaro. That's not true. <laughs> uh, as I've mentioned before, Jotaro does more in part four when he's a side character than he does in this. So, and I would I would have to think that as a Rocky maybe understanding like kind of looking back at part three and going like okay you know I didn't do justice by Jotaro maybe maybe I don't know I literally cannot get into a Rocky's head I don't want to be in his head that's the head that kinda, created Manish I, Boy and yet I I want to take a peek. Just like I want to, I want to, I want to dust my mind of a madman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. You're gonna end up like, like Will every... Graham in Hannibal, just you strapped <laughs> to a thing with a mask on. Oh God, the last episode before we get canceled is a Rocky and I just drawing babies eating shit. <laughs> <laughs> I give in to the monster that I am becoming. Both of you on a rooftop bleeding, drawing babies. <laughs> <laughs> and we embrace and fall off the roof together. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the, this episode, yes, Polnareff episode, is fantastic. Uh, the group is on a boat, they're heading towards an island, and Joseph mentions that there's a man on this island that he last spoke to in India and that they were going to meet there, uh, and he's important for their journey. Yes. Uh, so when so when they, Ivan, I have a note that I'm sure you will not appreciate... Uh, when they first arrive on the island, there is some dude watching the group from a bush like motherfucking Knuckles from the cover of Sonic 3. He's just a pair of eyeballs poking out of a bush in the background. That's supposed to be Knuckles? Yeah, in the cover of Sonic 3, that's Knuckles looking through a bush. Okay. Can't say I really looked at the cover of Sonic 3 much. I look at it all the time. Sure you do. (laughs) 
He's clickety-clacking over there, looking up this cover. Well, I had it muted, just so you know. You didn't have to mention it. You're supposed to just continue on. Uh, yes, I'm looking at the cover now. I, I never realized that was supposed to be Knuckles. Yeah, it's... But, like, also, that is a dead ringer for what happens in this episode. Like, that is 100% this look. Sure. Uh, and then this dude takes off, and he looks a lot like Avdol. He looks like old Avdol. This, this looks like a palette swap of Avdol. It's like you you pressed X instead of A on the character select yeah. screen. What if it were Avdol, but he was blue and he had a goatee? <laughs> blue? It was like a purplish blue, like it was a more cool color palette in contrast to his more vibrant red he's, colors. He's gray. He's supposed to be old. Like I they might have say, some form it, of color blindness, and I am just now starting to realize this. Maybe, because the whole thing is that, well, okay, spoilers for later in the episode, it's Avdali supposed to be disguised as his dad. So he's yeah. supposed to just look older. Which I which I had written for that, like I guess Abdul's idea of dad disguise is palette swap. He does put on a fake goatee at least. Yes, the bare minimum. Like, no, actually, the bare minimum would have been changing his fucking clothes. But <laughs> instead, the thing he comes up with is, what if I put a fake goatee on? Well, he does change his clothes. He's wearing a different outfit. Um. Also, the bare minimum actually would have been just regular Avdol, but with Groucho glasses. <laughs> would have been way better. Uh, but yeah, he's. Uh, they chase him back to like a little farm, and he starts feeding chickens named after black musicians because he's got yes. one named Michael Prince yep. and Lionel. Yep, Michael Prince and Lionel. One of which uh, probably seemed like a good idea back then. Now seems pretty incongruous. Because <laughs> nobody cares about Lionel Richie in 2018. Yep. Uh, so I almost wrote uh, dead black musicians, then I remembered. No, Lionel Richie is still alive, actually. Okay. Also, they were all alive at the time that that naming convention was uh, yes. devised. So I I consistently actually forget because I'm I'm watching the anime first that this is a thing that was actually created back in the 80s yep um but yeah uh that's actually they're there and that's they... why it's weird to me when i look at uh like character names from later parts they're way more recent and it's like oh there's a stand named lady gaga weird yeah uh but they they try to talk to the man, and he tells them to get lost, because the only time people come to his island, it's to give them bad news. And sure enough, the bad news they got is that Avdol is dead. And uh, this, like, really messes Paul and Ref up, because he's like, man, I should be the one to tell him, but, like, I can't bring myself to have that difficult conversation. And Joseph, like, puts his hand on his shoulder and tells him, like, Avdol's death wasn't your fault. He's still going on with this whole ruse. Even yeah. here. I've got some words to share about this stuff, but I, I want to wait until we actually get to the reveal to get into it. Because that's where things get, like, super fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Pondrev goes to a beach and is kind of, like, moping about all this stuff. 
And that is when he sees... I was gonna say he's kicking the sand, just going like, Ah, damn it. Still one of my favorite awesome show bits. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, but he sees a magic lamp in the sand. And it's just like, hmm, I should wipe the barnacles off of this thing. And a genie comes out of it, because fuck it. <laughs> sure. The genie is like maybe a stand. Also, it's named Cameo, and it will grant Ponder of Three Wishes. Because, okay, fuck it. Well, actually, yeah, it, it says my name is Cameo, but we later find out Cameo is the stand user, and the stand yes. is Judgment. This is definitely a case of the stand user communicating directly through the stand. Yeah. Which is cool. So, like, yeah, sure. Like, like I, I had written down here, like, okay, the first thing I would wish for is just, like, kill Dio. Yeah. And then, like, th that way Holly is saved, and then, like, my second and third wishes would be... Revive my sister, revive Abdul. Yeah. Instead of Revive every revive everyone that the Saiyans killed. Yeah. Uh, everybody uh from Namek. <laughs> yep, that's right. Uh we should probably give Vegeta immortality, but I mean I don't think it's such a good idea. <laughs> we should uh, bring back all of the people that Cell sucked off. Oh no. What? They'll no. never be the same again. <laughs> uh They'll have that experience with them for the rest of their lives. Look, I've seen the stats. I know what our crossover audience is with All Systems <laughs> Goku. So, anybody listening to this a, probably knows what that's a reference to. We have a very minuscule portion of their audience, but we appreciate it. Well, okay, yes. Not every All Systems Goku listener listens to this, but pretty much every listener of this listens to All Systems Goku. Anyway, you uh, pulled out the Venn diagram for it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's just weird. It looks like a um, like a fried egg. It's just weird, right in that middle of that big circle. The gooey cinder no one wants. It's way too fatty. <laughs> yeah, an everlasting gobstopper of anime. Um, but instead, the wishes Polnareff comes up with are uh, decidedly more stupid. Yeah, they're really self-centered. The, like, the first one is just, like, um... He almost wishes, like, just tell me where your stand user is. And he's like, whoa, 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 wait. I don't think you're a genius. But let's say that you are. Why don't you make me rich? Uh-huh. And so the genie says, Hail to you! Which also appears on screen for some reason. <laughs> hail, by the way, hail... Number two, letter U. Yeah, like it's a Prince song. Yeah. And uh, it it disappears, and then uh, I think it's like Polnareff throws the lamp and is just like, ah, it's garbage, and hears it like land on a pile of Napoleonic era coins. Sure. Uh, and then <laughs> he's basically got like fistfuls of these coins, and is like on his knees screaming like are you mocking me god <laughs> a fistful of francs it's my uh french language remake of fistful of dollars uh you just took all the dubbing out of it no we're seeking funding on indiegogo <laughs> also wait hold on that's 
for some reason I'm thinking Italians and French people are the same thing. Wait, why? Oh, okay. Because I, I said you would just take all the dubbing out of it, but it was oh. Italians. Up yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they looked like Mexican people, but I think were like cheaper to pay. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. yeah spaghetti a, westerns, they were a, called. It was a bygone era. Sure. So it was another time. Uh, and then, like, Polnareff's second wish is, like, he gets all serious. He's like, for my second wish, I want to be a manga artist. I love comic <laughs> books. I'm a stupid asshole. I want to make Polnareff land. <laughs> yeah. I want to be bigger than Disney. Yep. He's like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. No, that's a stupid wish. That's a terrible wish. I could come up with something better than that. I want a girlfriend. Man, Polnareff, where are you doing? And then, like, the third try. The third try, he's just like, wait a second. Could you bring someone back from the dead? Finally. He gets here after, like, Polnareff has been watching, like, conferences with Jordan Peterson or whatever. Just <laughs> Polnareff becoming an MRA and saying, I want my own lady as an object. And then, oh, wait, no, actually... I have a better idea. Yeah. Three things that Polnareff values the most in his life. Drawing comics, girls, 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 his dead sister. <laughs> well, kind of fits with the second. Yeah. Ch yeah, sure. So, actually, you could say money, she's, drawing comics, She's girls. naked for most of these episodes. Yeah... Which, at first, kind of makes sense because of the circumstances of her creation, and yet, uh, the other creation is not, so <laughs> I don't know Zombie about that. Zombie Abdul, uh, he's wearing clothes. Yeah, he's got a sarong on, or whatever you'd call it. He doesn't have, like, a tall boy-sized monster schlong, like, flapping around while he's trying to attack Polnareff. Barnaby Jones! <laughs> hey, I'm really glad that you got that. <laughs> Just stuff it in a tall boy, we're good to go. I was trying to make a Barnaby Jones reference, and then for a second there thought, like, oh, this might actually seem maybe a little racist. No, no, of course not. Everybody loves Frisky Dingo. Yeah. The, the whole two people, us, that remember it, love Frisky Dingo. I wonder if, like, the, the success of Archer has led to people going back and watching Frisky Dingo. I, I have actually had to explain to pretty much anybody that I have talked to about Archer what Frisky Dingo even is. So I do not think that that, that is the case. Well, at least Frisky Dingo got uh, DVD releases. Like, Exticles didn't. So, which I'm not still sure. A crime. Yeah, I I don't even know if it's on Adult Swim's website or anything like that. I'm sure it's on like the YouTube. Maybe <laughs> YouTube. I'm. It's I'm on old. the YouTube. Okay, you so... can find that cartoon on the YouTube, probably. I bet you can go to uh, watch all cartoons online for free. Ru. Definitely do not do that if you do not have Adblock or active. <laughs> you're gonna just need, tell you that right now. Uh, you're gonna need Adblock. You're gonna need a uh, UBlock Origin. You're going to need NoScript. 
you're going to need um turn them all on no exceptions uh, yeah yes absolutely Fuck all scripts universally uh-huh. uh i i mentioned this to you that there are some really good ads for like obvious sex games on the sidebar for when i'm watching these episodes but they have like absolutely ludicrous uh taglines on them like one of them was like this game is so hot you'll forget what you ate for breakfast <laughs> What? That sounds like an ad that I would see in the EGM in the 90s. There was one that was like a picture of a submarine, and it's like, if you love this one game from 1987, you'll get a kick out of this. Talk about silent service. They talk about the yeah, bins. Like, what, what game? I was born in 1987. I'm watching an anime on the... What? I don't know. Don't know. There's some really good ads on that website. Uh, we got that. Feedback. I have also accidentally clicked on them a, a few times, and uh, thank God our work has a really good filter set up. Mm. Blocked every single one of those things. But so, does not block your gonna... weird Japanese porno cartoons, so. What oh, one day I'm going to click on one of them and it's going to be like one of those hijack things where it's just a red screen and like screeching and it says you're watching Jojo's Bizarre Adventure CIA alerted call this number to unlock your computer <laughs> you need to send me uh, this many bitcoins <laughs> oh man yeah so he, he finally wishes for wanted the dead to come back to life which it was like the obvious wish outside of like killing dio and our boy ponera finally after taking a long walk got to it and so he wishes uh he wishes for his sister and he also wishes for avdol and so uh cameo is like okay those are your two wishes and they're coming right up uh one after the other mm -hmm. and so this this whole sequence is actually really, really, really cool and really well done, where he starts hearing, like, dirt getting upturned, and so he's making his way through, like, this, uh, like, all these, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, exactly what kind of plant this is. Yeah, I don't know. It, it kind of looks like, um, was it, like, bok choy? You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, yeah. it is this sort of, uh, like, these very tropical-looking bushes that are about, uh, goes up to about his navel like they're they're fairly high and as he's making his way through this whole setup looks like um huge fields of wheat that you would see in like a samurai movie almost kind of and like the the lighting is very dark it's like the middle of the night and the tension just keeps getting ramped up as he hears the noises of uh his sister moving around and like he's slowly coming to the realization that his wish actually came true uh, but as he's he's pressing along, you know that whatever he's going to find is going to be some real monkey paws shit. Like, this isn't going to turn out to be his sister, or something's going to be very wrong with his sister when he actually gets up to her. Well, yeah, of course. Never trust a genie. Which I... Yes, Unless it's I mean, Robin like, Williams or Kazam. Actually, well, Robin Williams, yes, do not trust Kazam. Why? Kazam was okay. He gave him a cheeseburger. Because you wish... Yeah, but those cheeseburgers all fell on the ground. They were still cheeseburgers. 
That is definitely a monkey paws thing of like, I want a cheeseburger. All right, here's your cheeseburger. And then like wipes his ass with the cheeseburger. Wow, gross. You into the same stuff Araki's into now? It's actually, I'll have you know, a deleted scene only found on the Kazam Blu-ray. Oh, the Criterion Collection version that's, of Kazam? Yes, that's right. Yeah. I was going to buy this dead fuckers movie, but then I saw that they put Kazam on the Criterion <laughs> Collection, so I bought that instead. Can you imagine a commentary track with Shaq? It's just no. like him saying, I remember when we shot this scene. It took about three days. They had to keep bringing in more trucks of cheeseburgers, and they dropped them all, and they keep having to retake it. <laughs> Cracks open a can of soda, Shaq. <laughs> yeah. You, just, you hear him drink the entire thing in one long continuous take, and then he just says, Terrible. <laughs> this is like, I need to take a break, I gotta put some icy hot on. He skips up and you hear a door open and close. Yeah, there's nobody else on the commentary track. It's not him with the director. It's just him. It's just 15 minutes of ambient room audio. <laughs> you just hear a car in the background start up and drive away. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he has general auto insurance, obviously. <laughs> Shaq forgot where he was and what he was doing be like that part in um, the commentary for Anchorman where uh, Andy Richter just wanders into the room. <laughs> well, that's what happens for the second half of the Kazam uh, commentary track. Andy Richter just shows up. Oh, okay. Now I want to hear it. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, there's uh, th during all this like attention, th this tension building stuff. He's having kind of fat flashbacks to uh, like his sister as a really young girl and like lifting her over his head and like swinging her around and like uh, buying her a new umbrella and everything. And like th this, I really, really do like how this whole scene was handled. It was really genuinely good. Yeah. Uh, and when he finally gets up to her, because um, like the, the the thing that made it for me was. As, as the viewer and having understood the whole history of Paul Reff and his sister Sherry and Jake Isle, like, you see these very touching moments and how much he cares for his sister, and it's punctuated by the fact that she dies in a very brutal way. Like, uh -huh. she gets raped and then she gets murdered. And it is maybe one of the... I, I would say it actually is the most genuinely dark thing in JoJo's Bizarre Adventures. Mm, so far, yes. Like, there's the stuff with like eating the baby and everything, but the the thing about a character being raped and murdered is the most real. Yeah. And and they handle it with an appropriate amount of weight, I think. Like there's absolutely a complete absurdity to killing Jay Guile, but whenever they get on the subject of what happened to his sister, they handle it with actual weight. Uh-huh. Um, and then, yeah, it, uh, he comes across her and she's like, I'm not complete yet. I have to devour Android 17 and 18 <laughs> to achieve my perfect form. Yeah. Yeah. 
and she has a weird eye. Also, I might have got confused and started watching the wrong anime at about this point. So yeah, she yeah, starts trying to eat is... Polnareff. <laughs> yeah, she's a zombie, by the way. That's the upshot of all this. Like, she's a uh, zombie created from clay and wants to eat Polnareff. Yeah. Uh, I wrote here, Sherry's worried Polnareff will hit her, but he assures her he'll love her no matter what. So she's like, cool, because I'm a zombie, and I'm going to eat you now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ref attempts to make a third wish. Yeah. To return Sherry to the Earth, and Cameo is like, nope. I think you forgot you already made your third wish. Yeah. And here uh, he comes. Oh, let's uh, have all everybody. Ooh, yeah. Have all. He's here! Yeah! He's also a zombie. You remember him from, like, the first seven episodes of part three? <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he, uh, Cammy also explained something important, which is that anything that you wish for basically cannot be undone either, because the wishes come from the wishy's own heart. Yeah. So... Little, little caveat there, even if he didn't, like, already make his third wish, he wouldn't be able to take any of it back anyway. Also, like, the, the more practical reason behind this, too, is it is still an enemy stands, so why would it undo zombies? I guess so. Yeah. I, actually, the Abdul reveal is not until the next episode, but whatever. Sure. Yes, um... Uh... Big shock, we might have watched these ones back-to-back -back because uh, we wanted to find out what happened. What I wanted to. It I was, mean, you it was supposed good. to be this anyway. I was just trying to... Yeah. All right. Well, well I mean, why, why are you saying, like, spoiler? I was trying we to hide some... I was trying to... Yes, I was trying to hide the fact that we might have actually watched these two sets of episodes entirely back-to-back -back for logistical reasons. I didn't want to get all inside. I don't know. This was always supposed to be four episodes. Oh, wait. I thought that we divided it so it was no. this three and then we left off. At the nope. Point. Okay. We're not ending any in the middle of two parts. I misunderstood then. Well, let me pull up the next episodes, the next set of episodes notes. Okay. You might have to watch an extra then. You're going to be it. doing the next one. Yeah, I thought that we left off on, uh, okay. The way I understood this was we had six episodes left for the next two episodes of this podcast, so we were doing three and three. Nope. No, no, so that no, is what I Next week's uh, stretches across the two halves in a weird way. Okay, that, that's that's fine. I got one more episode to get through. That's not, you know, not a big okay. deal. All right, well, I haven't watched any of those yet, so no spoilers, please. Uh, I hear that Polnareff does some stuff. Oh, really? What's Jotaro yeah. get up to? Uh, not much. <laughs> okay. Uh, I actually don't remember. But anyway, um... He just, or... he just shows up at one point and says, give me a break. This is the only <laughs> yeah. line in the episode. Yari yar, yar does eight and that's it. Okay. Uh... <laughs> it's a little like Looney Tunes, that's all folks thing at the end of the episode. And that's when he shows up and says it. Badumtis. Uh, for Judgment Part 1, uh, manga anime differences, the anime added several flashback scenes from Polnareff's past that were not present in the manga. That's a good See, choice. I that, yeah, I thought that might actually have been the, the case, so that's... Uh... 
Yeah. That's a good... Like, if you're going to pad with something, that's a good one to do. Suda says... This one comes in a pair with episode 22, and it was a difficult duo. I remember the team members discussing among themselves, a little confused by these enormous tongue-shaped plants on the island. It is surely some kind of tropical cactus, but in the end, it was still a mystery to us. Ha 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 ha. So see, he okay, doesn't good, know either. So, like, nobody knows what the plant is. Yeah. Suzuki, Perfect. the series director, was so obsessed with the question that it became funny to witness. Suzuki, I like him like J. Jonah Jameson style Just pounding on his desk demanding answers About what this plant is and What just is like, this plant? Is it a menace? <laughs> These plants are a threat and a menace uh, This episode is centered around Polnareff's grief as he's still haunted <laughs> By the death of his sister A rarity I'm, sorry, I'm thinking of him dressing up like the plant in his office When no one is around <laughs> Jumping up on his desk. Oh man, the new um, uh, spectacular Spider-Man annual that just came out is really good. It's all about JJ. If he's, I become the plant, I can understand the plant. He's like, uh, he's like Spider-Man's narc now, or something. Like he's riding around on a bike around the city and calling up Spider-Man about bank robberies. It's really good. <laughs> He breaks into a radio station right. and just takes over. And he's like, there's a caller on the line. He's like, am I on the oh. air? And he's like, are you Spider-Man? Then no, get this bozo off the line. I would listen to the hell out of J. Jonah Jameson pirate radio. Uh, after he does this, he is offered a job by the radio station to host yeah, a show yeah, for no, them. That's, like, that's what you do, right? Yeah, absolutely. J. Jonah shows up anywhere. He is being offered a job. Yeah. Uh, As it's salaried It's gotta be salaried Or Jay Jonah ain't interested I need all the benefits All of them Take everyone else's benefits And give them to me Just gets in a low voice And is like look we really need to discuss the dental plan though. This is, uh, Dental is very important to me Lisa needs braces I got a lot of cavities I need to get filled a rarity for this series, we meticulously represented the flow of time. On Suzuki's suggestion, the background sky goes through three different color tones as dusk and then night comes. I think that contributes to support Polnareff's state of mind and his increasing sadness. Kenryu Arimoto's voice fits well with the stand judgment. During the auditions, we had asked him to play the voice of a crook, and he exactly nailed the tone we were looking for. At the same time, persuasive, but also completely suspicious. Just yeah, like Robin Williams. It was weird how he was just doing Richard Nixon's voice. <laughs> yeah. Tell me what your wish is. You have three wishes. <laughs> the scenes before Polnareff's meeting with Sherry are also well done. Everything is focused on his emotions and he is drowned in memories. We also come to hope that his wish has been granted. Incidentally, Kenta Miyake, Abdal's VA, was beaming. He had just come back to the dubbing studio for the first time in a while, and he seemed jubilant at the idea of playing Abdal again. That's it. Alright, yeah. That's what yeah. Suda says. Alright. Just uh, part two! Yes. This episode that I didn't think we were doing today, but I am prepared. <laughs> uh, Cameo mentions, imagine if we didn't go ahead and watch the next set of episodes. Uh, 
This would have been real fucked. So, uh, Cameo, he mentions again that uh, Ponref has already made his third wish, and Avdol shows up. Um, and Zombie Avdol and Cherry are just chomping on Ponref, uh, who is decidedly not having a good time. Yeah, they... Polnareff's wounds at the end of this do not seem consistent with how much he is getting eaten. Like, they yes. are, they're just really going to town on his arms, and he's just laying there like, well, I guess there's not much I could do about this. <laughs> this is unfortunate. Oh, wait a second, I have a stand. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, there's a part where he's just like, oh, right, yeah, stands. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, ultimately he kind of gives up and is just like lying there, uh, and he's just kind of like, yeah, this would be a good death, I guess. Like being eaten by my sister and my friend—that's like, a good way to die. It's like John Mulaney as a kid, just like, well, I guess I'm gonna die now. <laughs> uh, but then there's two Avdols. Yeah, a second Avdol. I'm seeing double two Avdols. Wagga Wagga, two Avdols. A lot of Simpsons references today for some reason. Yeah. Uh, and then um, the the real Avdol, as we we come to find out, he is very shortly uh, murders the clay doll Avdol by lighting him on fire, and he says, "Muhammad Avdol, yes, I am." <laughs> yep, in English, yes, I am. Uh, and oh yeah, Abdul Ab- is saying it. My, my bad. Yeah, Abdul now for some reason is way sassier than he was before. He keeps doing this a... thing, and he's yeah. just in general like way cockier. Yeah, he's doing a lot of like tisk tisks and like waving his finger. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, man. I Abdul got cool. At some point. I guess, like, getting shot in the head makes you a cool guy. I mean, Polnareff kind of says something to that effect later in this. He's like, man, did getting shot in the head just mess you up or something? Yeah, I mean, it did, I guess. Yeah, I'm okay Uh, with it. Also, he's alive because of bullshit. Like, when he got stabbed in the back, uh, his head whipped back into the right, uh, causing the bullet to, like, just graze past his forehead. Line is back into the left. Oh, okay, my bad. The only JFK that well, I did not like that movie. I maybe have forgotten most of it. It's not great, but it's also kind of great <sighs> in ways. Um, say it's mostly just not great, but okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing is, this isn't entirely inaccurate like getting shot in the head is not a death sentence in fact a lot of times unless you're using a large caliber the large caliber bullet uh it it's actually pretty common for a bullet to just hit the skull and like go around the skull like around the curvature of it Still, though, this makes me think that maybe Whole Horse did actually shoot himself in the mouth and his bulls just suck. Maybe, yeah. Eh. I don't know, because, like, his stand actually hasn't been shown to be all that useful, actually. No. No. Uh, But Cameo is really strong and fast, and so he kind of just, like, boxes Avdol and Polnareff around for a little bit. 
and uh, it throws it just fucking throws Sherry up on her up. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> just That's the right. top half of her body. Uh, but Ponoro shows he's matured a bit and, like, recognizes it's just a doll, and so he stabs it and kills it. Uh, but, like, he admits to Abdul anyway, like, you know, he's still rather immature, which, you know, true. But after This is a guy who, like, an episode ago wished to become a manga artist before <laughs> reviving his friend back to life, so... Yeah, but Abdul, like, after uh, Ponoro stabs the fake uh, Sherry, he does say, like... Uh, I'm proud of you. I guess I was wrong. You have matured. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Polterra's like, nope. You should have seen what I tried to wish for, dude. I was a real dum-dum. What would the monkey pause effect been on him being a manga artist? Would have been like, he is a manga artist and he's very successful, but he only draws, like, Yahweh? <laughs> I was gonna say he's the artist of, like, um, One Piece. Or something where he's Bleach. just lo locked. No, because Bleach is over. Uh, just something where he's locked into it for um, twenty years. They're putting a Bleach movie out. It will never be over. But the comic's over. Yeah, but they're doing that live-action movie. Did you see that? So doesn't matter. The whole point of this was that he would be the artist. Yes, but then it blows up and he gets Ponoref land. Well, and if he's good, oh no, if he's doing Daujins, then would would it would it be like that one where it's an amusement park, but everyone's fucking? Uh, I don't like the wonder, outcomes of Polnareff's other wishes. I wonder what the soundtrack to this part's going to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is all going to be in too. post, so uh... this is the first episode I actually listened to, <laughs> just to see. What it's actually like. Polnareff getting a girlfriend, but then it turns out to be, uh, oh, what was her name? The the one that turned into the arm tumor. Oh, Empress? Yes, it would just be Empress, but it would be like Empress's actual form. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so, uh, they try trying to judgment. figure out where I'm in my... Yes, yes, they're fighting judgment and they win, and that's the episode of the end. Goodbye. <laughs> well, no, Avdol does this cool stuff where he's like, uh, first, I want you to cry in pain. Second, oh, I want you to cry in fear. Third, I want now you you're to cry in ahead. regret. No. Now you're getting ahead because he says, my wish is to wish for more wishes. Yeah, but, okay, yeah. Because he, he Avdol is that kind of guy. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and then what? What was the fourth one though? Because I don't remember that. The fourth one was. Uh, I think the fourth one was just to murder him. Probably. Actually, because uh, Headball at the end of this is not fucking around. No. Okay, uh, I'm yeah, watching like... it now. He says, "My first wish was to make you scream in pain." Uh, it came true. That's uh that's when he explodes Judgment's arm. Which again Okay. I, I don't know why then when Cameo comes out like his arm is still there. So I don't know. Yeah. Again, inconsistencies here. Um that's he never talks, happened He enough. talks about healing from his wounds. Uh 
Alright, then this so, is where they actually look for the stand user. Uh, Avdol says because of the rule of stands, if he's this strong, the user must be somewhere nearby. And so they're kind of poking around in the bushes and they find a reed sticking out of the ground. Yeah, uh, Tenchu style. Mess- <laughs> yeah, uh, they mess around with it a little bit and notice that like there's breath coming out of there. So they decide to start having some fun. Like it starts out innocent <laughs> enough with like some dirt some sand, some ants, a spider, a match, uh, match lit. Yeah. So, like, it's possibly getting more fucked up, and then Abdul is just... <sighs> okay, look, so, contrary to Abdul's belief, uh, peeing into another man's mouth is not the way males bond. <laughs> Abdul's just like, hey, I'm gonna whip it out, let's have a good time. Porn rep? Take your cock out. We're peeing in this man's mouth. And Polderov's like, I don't know about this. And then eventually he's like, man, Abdul, you're cool now. <laughs> like, we should pee in weirdest... guys' mouths more often, Abdul. I mean, if you're cool with it. It's like this was originally supposed to be a different character, and then Araki was like, oh, I know, I can just bring back Abdul. But he didn't change the script at all. <laughs> Might have been Abdul's dad the whole time. Yeah. Uh, that actually, I yeah, would have so, preferred that, really. There's but, also uh, a good bit, a little bit before this, where Polnareff says, Hell to you, motherfucker. That's right. <laughs> yeah. He even spells it out, hell to you, just like hail to yeah. you was. By the way, these last two episodes, th- th- these last few episodes are really going the distance trying to make me puke. Oh yeah, the okay, the part playing now is when they're peeing in it and uh Avdol says like laugh, Polnareff, laugh and Polnareff's like, You're acting pretty weird, Avdol, it's not because you were shot in the head, was it? And it just cuts back to Avdol laughing at him. Yeah. Avdol's out of his fucking mind. Yeah. Uh and then yeah, I I wrote here, Avdol's fourth wish is to burn this man alive, basically. Look, Avdol's not, well, he got shot in the head. Oh, yes, yes. Here he says, my fourth wish is to not not listen to your wishes as you beg for mercy. Uh, Magician's Red will not forgive you. And then he burns him and turns him into a uh, racial stereotype. And (laughs) then we get a badumptus. Yeah. Man. He turns him into Mr. Popo. Which is weird. (laughs) Mr. Popo is still a problem. Yes. Mr. Popo yeah, was still uh, a threat. Well, that's absolutely true. So, uh, Polnareff then, like, shows Avdol off to everyone to, like, wow them over the fact that he's not a corpse, and they don't care, because they've known for, like, two weeks, and this is the most messed up thing. Yeah, they were just gaslighting Polnareff the whole time, because they thought he couldn't keep a secret. Yeah, like, Avdol would need to heal, and for that he would need peace, so, like, I understand that much of... You've got a big mouth so we cannot tell you. But then there's the whole bit with Avdol pretending to be his own dad and still not telling him. Yeah. And, like, Kakyoin didn't think Polnareff would be hurt by this hilarious fucking gag of theirs. (sighs) Yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah. And, like, Polnareff is on the ground, like, bawling, going, like, I can't believe you guys would betray me like this. Yep. 
Like, and he's once, not wrong. Once they get to the island, there is no reason to continue the ruse. No. There is no reason for Avdol to show up looking like old man Avdol. Well, that, I, that part I can kind of get because, like, if somebody else came to the island, then he would at least be in disguise. But once they show up and he sees it's them, there's no reason yeah, for oh. him to hide. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, okay, fine. I up to that point, sure. The part where he spies on them through a bush, then gets up and is like, "I don't know. I guess I gotta go. go I need to go feed these chickens." Yeah. There was no reason for that. Like telling them to fuck off because he didn't want bad news. The bad news being that Abdal is dead. Ugh, <laughs> oh, man. And then we get the and then we get the real reason that Avdol was dressing up like palette swap Avdol, and it was to mimic the style of a wealthy Arab man, so he could buy a damn submarine. Wait, was that? I thought Joseph. No, that's said the end he... of. Oh no, Joseph sent him to go get the submarine, but he needed him to pose as a wealthy Arab man to do it because it would make sense for a wealthy Arab man to buy a gigantic luxury submarine. <laughs> okay. If if Joseph bought that himself, then Dio and his servants would or well his assassins rather would know that they are on a uh, submarine. So they needed to link up on this island in the middle of nowhere with not Avdol. Okay. And then, like, the stupid thing about this is the plan doesn't even work because there's already a assassin waiting on the island for them. And then, so, like, big shock in the, in the next couple of episodes, there's a stand user on the submarine. Mm-hmm. So this whole elaborate plan of... A, lying to Polnareff from the start, B, continuing the ruse while he is on the island, and C, buying a luxury submarine is all for nothing. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I am offended by what they did to Polnareff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he really gets short stick in this. Jesus Christ, he thought he was responsible for his own friend's death. Like, he didn't have enough on his plate already with his sister dying. Yep. For weeks, he has oh been dealing God. with this. And then, instead yes. of just giving him the truth at the, the the first possible moment, they just continue it, you know, for goofs. Yeah. Like, uh, seriously, cannot emphasize this enough. Kakuin is astonished that Paul Rev doesn't think this is hilarious. <laughs> Just it's like, all, wow, I didn't think you'd be guys. so upset. Yeah, they're just like sociopathic tendencies. It's just like he's traveling with a group of Patrick Batemans. <laughs> Joseph's just like, I don't know, I need, I need to return some videotapes. Jesus. Anime uh, manga differences. Uh, Paul Ref was made aware of this plot from the start in the manga. Okay, uh... Suda, anime... Suda says, I thought it would be fun to torture Ponorev over the course of ten episodes. <laughs> the anime added a final moment between the fake Sherry and Ponorev. Originally, Judgment throws her and Avdol incinerates the body with Magician's Red. Another good change. Yeah. Because that's a good moment. That's it. 
Suda says, In this episode, Evdal officially comes back and he's in tip-top shape. His famous, Hell to you, remains an iconic line. The second part gives prominence to the action. We can even say that there's only that. The tongue-shaped plants, about which I've already talked about, are neatly shaken by the wind. Sherry has stayed a while on Palmer F to gnaw on him. He was already half-eaten when he got back on his feet to finally throw her away, as if he was thinking, Okay, you've already eaten enough! Here! Ahahaha. <laughs> Since the fight is happening at the same place, we changed the scene's color scheme to give even more rhythm to these speeches, and it seems to me that it worked well. Polnareff is really cool when he skewers Sherry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he hasn't always been this imposing during these two episodes, but he's reached an important... Uh, this says impotent, but... Important step. <laughs> <laughs> and manages to say goodbye. It's as if he's suddenly grown. However, some things never change, and we see him flabbergasted to learn that everyone already knew of Avdol. Kakuin sympathizes a little with him, but it's already time to leave. I don't... I don't know that he really sympathized with him, but... Uh, the submarine appears in the very last scene. A normal submersible must surely cost several hundreds of millions of yen. This is really a luxurious journey. Seeing the size of this machine, it must have cost into the tens of billions. This is Elon Musk. He, he got that... Yeah submarine for them to rescue the kids in the cave in Thailand. By the way, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Wiki, a real bang-up job on these translations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's reached an <laughs> impotent step. Yeah. I mean, you know what, with the way Suda talks, like, maybe that's actually a joke he was going for, but this seems more likely to be a translation issue. Well, they also spelled impotent wrong. Like, it's like Okay, then, it's like yeah. important without an R, so it's just somebody typoed. Okay, but I like that it also would be pronounced impotent. Becoming yeah. <laughs> progressively more obvious to me that we maybe should clean up the JoJo's Never. Bizarre Adventure. Yeah, <laughs> no, I like it just the way it is as a uh, yes, a but, mess. But. We could, like, chronicle that mess in these podcasts and then make a better thing out of it after the fact. Okay. Yeah, just, like, edit it afterwards. Yeah, I don't know. It it seems we're becoming the keeper of the keys when it comes to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Well, somebody's still updating it because since the Part 5 announcement, now the sidebar images are of uh, characters from Part 5, so... We're, we're still not in there, though. There's yet to be an entry for uh, Stand and Deliver is a terrible JoJo's Bizarre Adventure podcast. Uh... So, next week, uh, we will be watching episodes 23 through 26, uh, another four-episode... Wait, is it? Eight, four. Yeah, another four-episode... Oh, then that means oh, I got two oh, episodes. It, it, it's the title of this episode that made me look at this and like, what? But it, it's just like a long title. Um, it's uh, High Priestess Part 1 through Iggy's The Fool and Indoor's Divine Geb Part 2. So that's four episodes. Two two-parters. Okay. And those are the ones that stretch... Um, 
between the two parts. I'm trying to look here at the actual episode list. The last one of Stardust Crusaders is High Priestess Part 2. Mm -hmm. And then it goes to Battle in Egypt, which is the first one of that is. Scroll up. Iggy the Fool. It should and, be the, yeah, Iggy the Fool. Yeah, Gebs Part 1. So. Yeah. I need to watch those first two episodes, then I, I have finished uh, the first half of Part 3 for me is done. Okay. Well, like, we'll... like I said, I got I got a little bit confused with uh, what chunk we were watching. So. Well, we'll get to that next time here on Stand and Deliver a JoJo podcast. Remember, rest in peace, Robbie Mueller. Uh, go check out the um, the Barnes and Noble Criterion sale is happening right now. Go check out some of his movies. Which one would you recommend the most? Uh, Kazam. No, God. For real. With, no, don't one? bother with this guy's movies. He's dead. That <laughs> <laughs> loser. Shaq's still alive. <laughs> Who the fuck dies? Come on. Um, I, I have not actually seen a lot of his movies, so I think mine would still be Paris, Texas, which I mean, is sure. still an extremely good movie that I think everybody uh, who has patience and does not get super depressed easily like I do should uh, sit down and watch. Okay. I actually Also, thought... if you don't have patience and get super depressed at the end of movies, watch it anyway because it's a good movie. Okay. I I would say I mean, yeah, that that's an obvious pick or Dead Man. I would also say um To Live and Die in Dead LA. That's just a timely. Yeah, yeah. Well, Very appropriate. Yeah, Dead Man also the criterion of that just came out, but um, to live and die in L.A. is a really good one, starring uh, William Peterson, in fact, who played the uh, previously mentioned Will Graham in Manhunter. Yeah. Um, uh, to to go back to Dead Man for a second, I did think that it was weird that they let him uh, handle a DC movie, but it's one of the better ones, and it's before they established this new DC movie canon that they got going on. So this yeah. is some uh, prime unsullied Dead Man for you. Yeah, yeah, it's like um the Swamp Thing movie with Ray Wise. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, another another great movie uh that you should check out uh apropos of of uh this. So, and if you have any condolences uh to send, um that email again is Oh, uh larry@destroyallchildren.com. Uh feel free to send us you know, your favorite Robbie Mueller movie or um you know, what whatever you thought about any of his uh, tell us how much you liked uh, Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai, or uh, Dancer in the Dark, or um, I Down by side Law. Note would, side note, we'd just love to hear about any dog movies that you like. Yeah, we Your we need buds. some we need some positive dog business to counteract all the dog death in this series. I need some positive business in general to counteract. All of what we just went through. I mean, I can tell you there's from, some positive dog stuff coming up in this show. I'm always down for positive dog stuff. Yeah. But I, I really need to get past the Death 13 episodes. Yeah. Well, th there's there's a very good dog that will be appearing very soon. 
good. I in, hope in the next batch of episodes, in fact, the ones you are about to watch. So we'll get to them. that. Everything. See yeah. you next time. Everything, everything uh-huh. gonna be all right this morning. Yeah. Oh yeah. I knew these people, these two people. <clears throat> they were in love with each other. The girl was very young, about 17 or 18, I guess. And the guy was quite a bit older. And he was kind of raggedy and wild. And she was very beautiful, you know? And together they turned everything into a kind of an adventure. And she liked that. Just an ordinary trip down to the grocery store was full of adventure. And they were always laughing at stupid things. He liked to make her laugh. And they didn't much care for anything else uh, because all they wanted to do was be with each other. They were always together. And he, he loved her more than he ever felt possible. He couldn't stand being away from her um, during the day when he went to work. So he'd quit just to be home with her. Then he'd get another job when the money ran out. And then he'd quit again. But pretty soon she started to worry. About what? Money, I guess. Not having enough. Hmm? Not knowing when the next check was coming in. Yep. I know that feeling. So he started to get kind of torn inside. How do you mean? Well, he knew he had to work to support her, but he couldn't stand being away from her either. I see. And the more he was away from her, the crazier he got. Except now, he got really crazy. He started imagining all kinds of things. 
Like what? We started thinking that she was seeing other men on the sly. He'd come home from work and accuse her of spending the day with somebody else. He'd yell at her and break things in the trailer. The trailer? Yes. They lived in a trailer home. Anyway, he started to drink real bad. And he'd stay out late to test her, to see if she'd get jealous. He wanted her to get jealous, but she didn't. She just worried about him, but that got him even madder. He thought if she never got jealous of him, that she didn't really care about him. Jealousy was a sign of her love for him. And then one night, one night, she told him that she was pregnant. She was about three or four months pregnant, and he didn't even know. And then suddenly everything changed. He stopped drinking, got a steady job. He was convinced that she loved him now because she was carrying his child. And he was going to dedicate himself to making a home for her. But a funny thing started to happen. He didn't even notice it at first. She started to change. From the day the baby was born, she began to get irritated with everything around her. She got mad at everything. Even the baby seemed to be an injustice to her. He kept trying to make everything all right for her, buy her things, take her out to dinner once a week. But nothing seemed to satisfy her. For two years, he struggled to pull them back together like they were when they first met. But finally, he knew that it was never going to work out. So he hit the bottle again, but this time it got mean. This time when he came home late at night, she wasn't worried about him or jealous. She was just enraged. She accused him of holding her captive by making her have a baby. She told him that she dreamed about escaping. That was all she dreamed about, escape. She saw herself at night running naked down a highway, running across fields, running down riverbeds, always running. And always just when she was about to get away, he'd be there. He would stop her somehow. He would just appear and stop her. And when she told him these dreams, he believed them. He knew she had to be stopped or she'd leave him forever. So he tied a cowbell to her ankle so he could hear at night if she tried to get out of bed. But she learned how to muffle the bell by stuffing a sock into it and inching her way out of the bed and into the night. He caught her one night when the sock fell out and he heard her trying to run to the highway. He caught her and dragged her back to the trailer and tied her to the stove with his belt. He just left her there, went back to bed, and lay there listening to her scream. Then he listened to his son's scream. And he was surprised at himself because 
He didn't feel anything anymore. All he wanted to do was sleep. And for the first time, he wished he were far away. Lost in a deep, vast country where nobody knew him. Somewhere without language or streets. And he dreamed about this place without knowing its name. And when he woke up, he was on fire. There were blue flames burning the sheets of his bed. He ran through the flames toward the only two people he loved. But they were gone. His arms were burning, and he threw himself outside and rolled on the wet ground. Then he ran. He never looked back at the fire. He just ran. He ran until the sun came up. Couldn't run any further. And when the sun went down, he ran again. For five days he ran like this, until every sign of man had disappeared. <laughs> 